Because Java can count to high numbers. Yeah. Okay, you might have to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Programmer jokes, let's go. Oh boy, Java. Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we're talking about OS2 again. We're, we're back for part four of our series on OS2. Who knew something could last this long that nobody remembers? <laughs> hey, IBM tried. And tried and tried. They had the little engine that could kind of situation going on, but no matter what, they just could not get to the top of that hill. So you should listen to the previous episodes on OS2 if you haven't already. But in the last episode, we talked about the weird offshoot workplace OS operating system, which was that operating system that IBM was working on that itself would run other operating systems. And it was a horrific mess and did not work and cost IBM a lot of money. So rewinding back to about when Windows 3.0, 3.1 was out, IBM and Microsoft were fighting over licensing terms for Windows on IBM PCs. So, you know, just like Compaq and Dell and all these other companies, IBM was selling computers running Windows. They didn't just have PCs running OS2. And when you ship a computer with Windows, you have to get an agreement from Microsoft first. And Microsoft had pretty good agreements with other PC manufacturers, but they butt heads with IBM a lot. So in summer of 1994, Microsoft approached IBM with an offer that would drop licensing costs by $8 per PC if IBM agreed to certain terms. Can you guess what these terms might have been? Well, aside from requiring the soul of the firstborn, my, <laughs> my second guess is basically cease and desist all development or at least stop pushing os2 wow i can't believe you're exactly right it's almost like microsoft was (laughs) yeah i I mean definitely firstborn had to play in here yeah so the terms of microsoft's offer in summer of 1994 was that ibm was not allowed to mention any other operating systems and advertisements for their pcs IBM had to adopt Windows 95 when it came out the next year as the standard operating system for its employees, and Windows 95 had to be pre-installed on at least 50% of its computers for the first two months after the release of Windows 95. So if IBM did all of that, they could get the cost for licensing Windows dropped by $8 per computer which would have saved IBM around 40 to 48 million dollars. Oof, which is a lot of that's a lot of money. Man. I it honestly I've forgotten how much IBM used to be relevant to the PC market. Yeah, they they sold a lot of computers. Like of course this is when IBM was also making like ThinkPad laptops, so that was a big market around this time. Yeah, so basically, if IBM would stop OS2 in any meaningful way, then Microsoft would cut them a sweet deal on Windows licensing. 
that's that's a little thing we like to call anti-competitive practices and microsoft loved doing that in the 90s yeah yeah they got in a little trouble for that they did actually all of this information comes from that lawsuit <laughs> that the uh department of justice i think filed against microsoft yeah it was in, the doj yeah in 2001 or 2002 somewhere around there so microsoft laid out those terms and ibm said no but they said no so hard that IBM would aggressively promote its own software products and pre-install OS2 Warp on all PCs they shipped, including PCs that also ship with Windows. So that was leading up to the release of Windows 95. In March of 1995, IBM and Microsoft start the negotiating process over again. For the first two months, kind of things are going normal until... IBM announced that it was buying the Lotus Development Corporation. Do you know anything about Lotus? I I know I've used it very, very briefly in the past, and I remember it existing, but I I yeah. don't I never had much of a connection to it. You know, their main first product that really pushed them into the limelight was Lotus 123, which mm -hmm. was a spreadsheet application. During this time, they had like an entire office suite. So they were basically competing with Microsoft Office. So IBM buying something that competes against Microsoft's other main product didn't make Microsoft very happy. Shocking. Shortly after IBM announced this purchase, Microsoft began canceling meetings with IBM and wouldn't answer phone calls. Microsoft later told IBM that it was ending negotiations because it wanted to resolve an ongoing audit of IBM's past royalty payments to Microsoft for several different software products. So while all this was happening, they were also talking about some royalties that IBM supposedly owed Microsoft and other, other groups of the companies were talking together about that. And then really out of nowhere, Microsoft makes solving that like a requirement before they get to access Windows 95, even though that was never an issue before, they were just doing that separately. That was different departments talking to each other. Yeah, but they, they still have that combined effect of forcing IBM into an unpleasant position. Right. More, more anti-competitiveness. <laughs> even unintentionally, it's anti-competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So the issue with this is that this audit Microsoft wanted to be completed would take weeks or even months. And during this time, Microsoft was already wrapping up Windows 95 licensing deals with other companies. So other PC manufacturers were pretty close to being able to sell PCs with Windows 95 once Windows 95 was officially announced. As soon as that happened, they could have them out the door. But IBM wasn't there yet, and they wouldn't be there for maybe months. On August 9th of 1995, IBM offered Microsoft a single lump sum payment to close all of its audits and allow Windows 95 licensing negotiations to continue. So IBM made that deal, and they went to Microsoft, and they were prepared to accept like one concession to get this over with the Microsoft executive 
in these discussions suggested that IBM could agree not to bundle Smart Suite with its computers for six months to a year because it would cut into profits for Microsoft Office. And Smart Suite is what they bought from Lotus. So that was that was the other thing that came up earlier. Uh, was IBM? IBM came to Microsoft and was like, "Okay, here we'll just give you a fat load of money for this to be over with. Can you can you take it?" And Microsoft was like, "Uh, I don't know. Can you not sell your Office thing too, please?" <laughs> and IBM refused that, and a deal was not worked out with Microsoft for Windows ninety five licensing until fifteen minutes before the launch event for Windows ninety five on August 24th of 1995. So that was that was late. <laughs> what a way to make everybody nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you know some guy was like preparing the presentation slides for that launch event and they were like, "Do I do I put IBM's logo on this?" and someone else was like, "No, no, wait, hold on. Hold on, we're not sure yet." Oh man, I'm I'm absolutely imagining somebody sitting there with like the logo in the clipboard. And they're yeah. like holding control ready to hit V. Like, <laughs> am I doing it? Am I doing it? Or at when they finally do the launch event and they show all the companies that are shipping with Windows 95, IBM's logo is just like hastily scribbled into the corner of the slide. <laughs> it's not even the logo. Just somebody went in there and quickly typed the letters IBM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> so because those negotiations were so late to complete ibm did miss out on a lot of revenue because when windows 95 came out they weren't ready to ship computers with the new operating system but everyone else was at that point that was a back to school season that was starting so people were buying computers just normally and there was also pent-up demand because people have been waiting for windows 95 and a lot of people were delaying buying a new computer until they could get it so IBM missed out on a lot of money there just because there was so much weird stuff going on with the negotiation phase. So Microsoft finally released Windows 95 in August of 1995. And this is really the final nail in the coffin for OS 2. Windows 3.0 coming out was really not good. And there had been a couple years after that and before this where OS2 had some room to gain market share because in, in that space they launched OS2 Warp and that was a big release for them and it was a pretty good update overall. So they have been able to claw back some market share. But Windows 95, is that, that's the end of it. This is the update that introduced the start menu and the taskbar. So this is really the start of the modern... Windows interface that everyone who has ever used a computer in the past 20 years is familiar with. Windows 95 also has plug and play drivers. It has partial 32-bit support. So that's something that OS2 had. Even though Windows is still probably less of a technical achievement than OS2 at this time, it's, again, it's close enough. So I'm going to send you a section of a New York Times article by Peter H. Lewis. And this was published on August 8th of 1995. All right. Let's see. Is, let's see how awkward this one's going to be. 
After struggling to install the latest version of OS2 Warp on my new Pentium-based computer for several days, I called in IBM's chief OS2 evangelist and tech guru, David L. Barnes. Mr. Barnes travels around the world and appears on television touting the virtues of OS2. After spending more than an hour trying unsuccessfully to install OS2 on my machine, the normally effervescent Mr. Barnes finally gave up. He remains the world's biggest fan of OS2 as a reliable operating system for big businesses, but would he recommend OS2 to a friend who did not have a technical support team on call in the office? Quoting Mr. Barnes, let's put it this way. I'm going to put Windows 95 on the machines in my house. Oof. Yeah, this... Uh, man. Every, every once in a while, this is sort of like when you try showing a phone to someone or you recommend a thing to somebody and they buy it, they try it out, and their their experience is so bad and you're just like, look, no, never mind. Never yeah. mind. No, you get the other thing. Just trust me. We it, it I can see the look on your face. Things are not going to work out if we keep going down this path. There will never be a good end result. Let's just give you the other thing. It's easier. So, yeah, that quote was sad. <laughs> oh yeah, that's brutal. I'm just imagining like all the OS2 fans reading their copy of the New York Times and a single tear goes down their face. When your biggest advocate is basically saying, yeah, no, I give up. Yeah. That, that's, that's the doomsday moment. It it would be like if Steve Jobs one day said, okay, you know what? Fine. Just go get Android. It, <laughs> yeah. It'll look, it'll solve your problem. So, in September 1994, IBM relocated 1,100 OS2 developers from Florida to Austin, Texas. So before this point, OS2 was being developed in those two locations in Florida and Austin, Texas. It was kind of hard to do coordinated work on an operating system from two separate locations like this in 1994. I mean, they could have just done Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah, they had Zoom back then. And internet that could handle it. <laughs> yeah. This was also how Microsoft had been operating for a while. Windows was mostly developed in one office. Maybe IBM should have tried this a couple of years prior, but it, now they did it, I guess. Okay, so actual question, did they legitimately move like actually pay moving costs and everything else to get over a thousand people from florida to texas okay so the article i found that i think that was also in the new york times but it was the announcement from ibm that they were going to move so i don't know how many actually did but ibm said at that point that for all the people who wouldn't move, they would just hire new developers in Texas to replace them. Yeah, so, I got it. I yeah. I have a feeling there was probably incentive here. We'll give you we'll give everyone, I don't know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, something like that, if you move. But if you don't want to move, eh, that's okay. We'll we'll find someone to, to replace you. And if you move, we'll give you a copy of OS2 Warp. <laughs> oh, 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 don't threaten them. You know, I don't know what percentage of people actually did that move. It's very possible that could have also been like 
an accidental downsizing if they just end up not hiring enough people to get to that 1,100 total. But yeah. I have a feeling we're getting to that part of the story right now. (laughs) Yeah, there is downsizing that happens. I don't know if it was linked to that event or not, but even after Windows 95 comes out and IBM rejected multiple times the offers from Microsoft to kill off OS2 for better Windows licensing, uh, Microsoft is still trying to make that happen. I have an excerpt from a letter from January of 1996 by the Microsoft executive in charge of OEM sales. And I will send this to you now. All right. As long as IBM is working first on their competitive offerings and prefers to fiercely compete with us in critical areas, we should just be honest with each other and admit that such priorities will not lead to a most exciting relationship and might not even make IBM feel good when selling solutions based on Microsoft products. You are a valued OEM customer of Microsoft, with whom we will cooperate as much as your self-imposed restraints allow us to do. Oh my god. That that wording alone. The sarcasm is just overflowing. I mean, it's sarcasm and condescension in such high doses. Just I guess if you want to sell like seven PCs this year with OS2, you can. Oh boy, that is that is brutal. All right. Please understand that this is neither my choice or preferred way of doing business with an important company like IBM. In addition, we would like to see the IBM PC company become more actively involved in assisting Microsoft to bring key products to market. To date, the IBM PC company has not always been an active participant in these areas, understandable given your own internal product priorities. I hope you can help me change this. You get measured in selling more hardware, and I firmly believe if you had less conflict with IBM software directions, you actually could sell more of it. Oh my god. This, <laughs> this letter. I I have seen some contemptible stuff. Like, just yeah, <laughs> some ridiculous things have been written in corporate environments. But this, wow. <laughs> just Wow. Can you believe this was also discovered in that anti-competitive lawsuit later? Oh, easily, yeah. Can you imagine this could be used as evidence that Microsoft maybe isn't running a good business? This is why I've said so many times, if you're going to be an evil company or just be an evil person working at a company, always do everything over phone calls and ideally in face-to-face conversations where you know you control the environment because holy crap you do not want evidence like this lying around (laughs) because there there's no jury that's gonna hear this or read this and not think hey they sound like d-bags strictly speaking this is just one person writing a uh very um yeah, this I, was not public. This was just a straight up letter that went to like one person at IBM from another one person at Microsoft. Exactly. So, you know, it to be fair, this is one of those things. If it was run through, because today something like this could actually be run through lawyers before it gets sent. Something like this might go through a couple sets of hands who 
would let's just say be cooler heads about or they'd have cooler heads about something like this they they would at least maybe stop and say whoa 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 if you say this we're kind of probably maybe breaking some laws here change it to this which is the same thing but slightly different and we're good <laughs> like i mean i mean you say that but i've read some of the emails that were published from the the apple versus epic games lawsuits and they they had a similar energy to them <laughs> yeah well <laughs> hey just just wait until the uber lawsuit happens yeah time is a flat circle <laughs> So also during this time, Microsoft is continuing to exclude IBM from its advertising campaigns, which had the side effect of leading PC buyers to believe that IBM's computers didn't work as well with Windows as PCs from other companies, which isn't like a ridiculous conclusion to come to if you see a million commercials for Windows 95 and none of them mention IBM. But they all mentioned like dozens of other companies. Not only that, but IBM evidently is late to getting Windows on their computers. Not that that's necessarily super public knowledge, but you know, right? If if we saw that today, our our immediate reaction is, all right, what's wrong? Why why were they behind everybody else? IBM estimates it lost around seven to ten large corporate accounts, representing around. 180 million dollars in revenue because of the tension with microsoft and also the advertising nonsense and everything else so ibm's bleeding i mean i'd say this is worse than bleeding ibm is right now the th the second or third person getting killed in a slasher movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in the spring of 1996 IBM's general manager for software went to IBM CEO and they presented several options for the future of OS2. And one of those options was killing it. So just outright discontinuing it on the spot was on the table. However, they eventually decided to continue supporting OS2, mostly because IBM had already made support commitments to the companies using OS2 and probably wouldn't be a good business decision to be like, oh, see ya, we're done. Yeah, in those days, companies actually believed in sticking to their contractual agreements. Later that year, in September of 1996, IBM releases OS2 Warp 4, and this ends up being the final release, or the final major release of OS2. So I have a screenshot for you to look at. You can tell me what you think. Oh, I remember that wallpaper. Yeah, that was introduced, I think, in this version, in OS2 Warp 4. So, because this was the last major version, that wallpaper kind of stuck around for a long time. Yep. It was like OS2's equivalent of, like, the Windows XP grass wallpaper. Yeah, except this is literally just an ugly carpet. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is the carpet yeah. on the floor of every office. Yeah, it is like a very thin carpet. And it has the little OS2 Warp logo that's all bent out of shape. I'm, I'm seeing the little things that... One of the things that stood out about OS2 Warp is they kind of did the same thing Apple 
later was guilty of doing, which is taking things that you saw in Windows and making them different by little ways. Like, right. obviously having having the, the taskbar at the top, having what is effectively a start menu at the top. Yeah, all, all the little things. Turning the trash can into the shredder. Yeah, this version does add kind of something that looks like a taskbar, but it doesn't always show like the programs you have open. It's a little bit right. different, but yeah, it is very much like kind of Windows, but not. So OS2 Warp 4 had a lot of little changes, but not really anything huge. Because again, at this point, IBM was done. This release mostly came out out of just momentum. Like they already had stuff in the works. So like I oh, might as well release it, I guess. You've got the list of to-dos and yeah, it's like, well, we already checked off these like 200 items. Yeah, some somebody do a quick build and we'll ship it. Yeah, and they already moved all those people to Texas. So I'll go over a couple of the changes. IBM voice type was now included in OS2 instead of being sold as a separate package, which I believe makes OS2 the first desktop operating system to have built-in voice recognition and hands-free mode, which is kind of neat. So a lot of the same stuff you see now with accessibility features on desktops and phones, OS2 Warp 4 has all that built in. It's not that great, but it is the same basic concept of like, you can say commands and your computer will go to the other menu or, or close an application or something. Yeah. Also, IBM's Web Explorer web browser was getting old. So that was now replaced with Netscape Navigator. There's actually a little icon for Netscape in that screenshot. Oh, I spotted it. The icons were redesigned and they now had sort of a 3D look. In that screenshot, they kind of remind me of like the classic Mac icons, especially those folders. Those look a lot like the old Mac folders. Yeah, I I guess. This, this so much reminds me of Windows 2, though. Also, OS 2 Warp 4 shipped with IBM's version of Sun Java 1.0.1 which included the runtime, compiler, documentation, and some sample programs. And this was part of something IBM was pushing across their whole company at the time. They were really pushing Java. A way to slow down your computer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Java was also part of their idea for migration from OS2 Warp. So the idea was that if you were a company and you had OS2 software, and at this point, IBM had made it obvious like they were not interested in keeping OS2 Warp for around much longer. The idea was that you could migrate some of your stuff to Java and then keep running that in OS2. And then once it's Java, like you can you can take that anywhere. It's a nice idea, but oh my God, did that never work for anybody. <laughs> also, a few features were ported over from OS2 for PowerPC which we talked about in the last episode that was like kind of the resulting product of that whole workplace OS drama. And some of those features were updated display drivers and better internationalization support. So you could run OS2 in more languages, I guess. Also, one feature I read about in a snippet of, I think it was Computer World that was kind of funny, is something called True Mode. 
And this was for DOS applications that couldn't run reliably in the existing DOS layer in OS2. So, you know, like one of the main selling points throughout this whole thing is that OS2 can run DOS apps, but some DOS apps don't like running in floating windows alongside other programs. They're kind of, they get, they're weird sometimes. So OS2 introduced this new feature where if you opened a DOS program in true mode, OS2 would save its entire current state to the drive, reboot to DOS, and then when you were done running the application, it would go back to OS2 and it would resume everything you had open. That That's one of those things. It's technically cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also terribly awful. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's good for those edge cases, I guess. The one thing that does stand out is when you see all of these uh, sort of bizarre old hacks to accomplish certain things, it really, it's a good indicator for why we ended up creating some of the technology we have today, uh, uh, particularly the hardware to support virtualization, for example. Right. It, that exists because they tried to do things like this in software and they were terrible, so... At some point or another, somebody was talking with the hardware makers and it's like, how do we solve this? We need this thing. So IBM also developed something called Open32, which was a subset of the Win32 API that was used by Windows 95 and Windows NT. Some 32-bit Windows applications could be ported to OS2 with very little effort, but they still had to be ported. Whereas before, with the Windows 3X layer, you could just run existing Windows software and it would run fine. It was mostly just a layer on top of OS2's APIs because they were so similar. A few major applications end up using this. IBM Smart Suite is developed for OS2 Warp at this point with that layer. So they're mostly making it for Windows and then they just bring it over to OS2 Warp also, uh, Netscape Navigator that we mentioned earlier, that was brought to OS2 with this compatibility layer. However, I did find a couple reports that Netscape Navigator on OS2 was very unstable, and it was unstable in a way where it actually locked up the system, uh, which was harder to do on OS2 than it was on Windows. So that's kind of, that's that's not good. I think I remember that. I don't know if it like locked up OS2 because it was like weird compatibility ported or if it was just Netscape wasn't coded well. But either way, that was another issue that crops up very late for OS2 is that it doesn't really have like a great web browser anymore because IBM's finished developing its own browser. So now there's just Netscape, but Netscape is not good. So yeah, that's OS2 Warp 4. Not a whole lot of changes. Like I said earlier, this ends up being the last major release of OS2. IBM continued to update uh, OS2 Warp Server for businesses, and some of those updates were brought over to the home version of OS2. But after Warp 4 comes out, IBM's mostly done with OS2. This is when a software development company in Michigan called Stardock actually tries to bring OS2 back to life. Stardock was a 
pretty significant developer of OS2 software. They made some games for OS2. They made some productivity applications. So they had a lot invested in OS2. And if IBM was done working on it, that means that a significant portion of their investments as a company would be useless. So in 1999, Stardock started to negotiate with IBM to produce and support an upgraded version of OS2. And they try to convince IBM to do this for about six months, but IBM isn't really interested. And this eventually leads Stardock to pivot to producing Windows software. And they actually go on to develop uh, window blinds, if you, you remember that. All too well. Yeah. So they were, they were originally making OS2 software, and they tried really hard to let IBM, uh, let them take over OS2. And IBM said, sorry, but no thanks. The final update for OS2 from IBM was the Convenience Pack 2 refresh in April of 2002. And then sales of OS2 stopped on December 23rd of 2005. And mainstream support for OS2 ended on December 31st of 2006. And by the time sales stopped of OS2 in, in 2005, IBM said that fewer than 80 companies had more than 10 licenses for OS2. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. By the turn of the century, most people have got the message that they need to move on from OS2. And... That's the history of IBM's OS2. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how it sort of had a life after death and development continued through other efforts. But that's that's it from IBM, really. Yeah, after all of this, it does it leaves you wondering, like, what would have been? What yeah. would have been if OS2 could have held stronger and had more more of a future? The counter to that, of course, is IBM also started diving really deep into Linux and Unix. And as a result, obviously, those benefited pretty substantially from IBM's help. As much as this is all kind of a big loss, there are good things to have come out of it. Sort of. Ish. I I mean, looking, looking for the silverest of linings, I admit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well, I think maybe the the most significant impact of OS2 is the lineage of Windows because Windows NT, which is now the core of every Windows version since Windows XP in 2001, that was originally an OS2 update. There's remaining evidence of OS2 in the APIs for Windows in other places. So... We're not we're not all using OS2 warp, but we are using something that's like a third cousin of OS2 